All right. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the 360 Sports Show. Coming to you live on Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, and Twitch. I'm your host, Andrew Pazelli. Solo show here today. No Christian Lawler. He'll be back next weekend to join us here on the show. You can reach us anytime through the live stream chats on Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, and Twitch, or by emailing the show, the360sportshow at gmail.com with any of your sports questions, comments, or concerns. This is going to be a lightning round here today, so we're going to try and get through some things quick, Um, but if you have any sports questions, just drop those in the comment section and we'll get right to them, and we are going to start today's show with the NBA, the Milwaukee Bucks, one win away from the NBA championship. They defeated the Suns last night in Phoenix. I'd say a bit of a stunning upset. Uh, I mean, everybody coming into this series thought that Phoenix was the favorite. I did. I picked the Suns in five. And after going up 2-0, they have lost three straight and now are on the brink of elimination. And I'd say it's because the Bucks finally have, I mean, better late than never, um, I think have really discovered who they are. And if they have shown one thing this whole year, and especially this playoff run, it's that they don't give up or give in. It is a resilient, mentally tough team. We have issues with how they play at times. And we have issues with how Giannis has played at times. Not in the finals, though. Giannis has, after looking like he's not going to play because of the leg injury, he has shown up big time in all five games of this series. And we'll talk specifically about that in a second. But he showed up. They went down 0-2 because the other guys weren't showing up. The last three games, the other guys are showing up. The other guys are showing up big time. And the Suns now, they've kind of lost themselves a little bit. They've become too focused on Devin Booker, which was which was great. He, you know, he dropped 40 points last night. But you can tell the offense has kind of gotten stagnant. That last possession, you know, Great. It's in Booker's hands. Um, he got into a bad spot in the paint with not really knowing what he wanted to do, and he has the ball stripped, stolen by Drew Holiday. His best game is a buck, by the way. And you have that alley-oop that really kind of put the cherry on top for Milwaukee. But it kind of illustrates that one play, kind of illustrated what I think has gone wrong with Phoenix, which is they've gotten away from who they are, which is a ball-moving team. Uh, and they've played a little bit too much isolation. Now, yes, it, it works to their favor because Devin Booker's amazing. But that's not going to win you a championship, right? So you're going to need to have Chris Paul play better. You're going to have to have the rest of those role players play better and be involved. Um, but it's more about the Bucks than it is the Suns today. Because we've all said if the Bucks have their heads on straight, they they should win. And now they found themselves, I mean, they were down 16 at one point in that game, and they come back, get close, take a lead, build a lead, hang on, make the plays at the end to win. Impressive. On the road in Phoenix, which has been a very tough place to play this year. Now we'll find out. You know, both of these teams, you wondered what's going to be between the ears. Milwaukee going back home, though, to try and win their first title in almost, what, 50 years? Um... Do the Suns have the mental fortitude to go get that win? They don't have the experience. Milwaukee at least has had all of these heartbreaks over the years. Expectations and failures. They're, they, this is like their we're finally ready to break through moment. And can the Suns rise to that occasion to keep that from them? With such a young team that has overachieved so much this year. 
can Chris Paul, while he has experience, it ain't good experience. It's a lot of heartbreak, too. So, what can the Suns do in Game 6? Honestly, at this point, I don't know if there is much. Milwaukee is going to be a really hard place to go get a road win. They haven't yet. They lost both games there and then just lost at home. Um, can a young team figure it out? Can a young team figure that out? That's a big lesson to learn. To to Facing elimination, beat a team that's on the brink of a championship in their home building. Especially a team that's been as hungry as Milwaukee has. And has found themselves. As Colin points out in the comment section, uh, he says, Was concerned Giannis couldn't sustain this performance, but I think it's safe to say he's put on his big boy belt this year, especially in this series. And Middleton finally being more consistent more often. Exactly. After the first two games, they were down 0-2 and we were like, Giannis has given you everything and you're down 0-2. Can that be sustainable? And can the other guys finally find a level? They did. Last night, that was Drew Holiday's best game as a buck. 13 assists, like like 27 points, a couple of rebounds, that big steal at the end. That is what they are paying him. That's what they gave up the farm to go and get him in the offseason was so that you could have Drew Holiday in moments like that for his defense and his offense. He was fantastic at both ends of the floor last night. And like we said, if the Bucks play to their advantages, which is their size and their defense, and they just play smart offense, um, and you get efficient scoring from Holiday and Middleton, Giannis, the, the biggest thing about Giannis, and I've been really pleased, is just his aggressiveness. Just continuing to attack the basket. He's taking some jump shots here or there, but you have to to just keep them honest. Uh, and he's attacking the, the hoop relentlessly, whether or not he's getting fouled or not. And he's basically breaking even on on his free throws, too. You know? it, it, it this is People complained about Ben Simmons not uh, refusing to even go near the rim because he didn't want to go to the line. Well, that's a detriment. Giannis has at least continued to attack the hoop and said, you know what, I don't care what I go from, from the line, right? You know, I need to just keep being aggressive. I want to see if I can pull up his, for some reason, I don't know why, Yahoo. Yahoo doesn't want to give me, it just says minutes and points, as if no other stat matters. Let's see here. Free throws. 4 of 11, right? So it's not like he had a great night at the line, but he kept attacking the rim. He's kept attacking matchups. He's aggressively gone it, whether it's Aiton or they've got... Jay Crowder gets matched up on up on him in a cross matchup. They're just, and this is what happens in series. You find a matchup, and you just keep going to it over and over and over. And that's why it's hard. You know, eventually all of your weaknesses get exposed in all sports when you get to a championship round because there's a year of tape, there's a year of habits. And that also means that, you know, if, if you're a guy like Giannis, they don't have anybody who can stop him. And the Bucks finally, people get on Coach Bud. I mean, you don't know if it's coaching or if it's just if it's Giannis himself getting this, you know, mentality down. He's just going to keep attacking, no matter what. That's what breeds champ. You can become a superstar. To become a champion, it takes that saying, "Hey, this might be boring, and it may not make a lot of highlights, but I'm just going to keep attacking the rim. I'm just going to keep using my advantage." And that's what Giannis has done. And so they're one win away. They are one win away. Man, and plus the other thing with Giannis too is has been the unselfishness, right? Smart offense, but he's also making plays for others. He's not just getting into no man's land like Devin Booker did at the end of the game. Um, 
He's making quick, decisive plays for others uh, and those around him. So Giannis, 10,000%, uh, 10,000% has delivered in this finals. Uh, and I expect, I think they're going to close it out in game six, you know, and I'll admit when I, Christian's, I don't know if Christian's listening. Uh, I will admit when I was wrong and I didn't think the Bucks, after seeing how games one and two played out, I thought, okay, they'll probably get game three, but the way they were playing, the way their defense was playing, like no adjustments, not really, there was a lack of energy. I said, maybe they get game three, but Phoenix just looks like they're the better team. Phoenix looks tired. They have a shorter bench now. I mean, I, Craig is back, but they some of these guys, their bench, they got nothing from their bench last night. Uh, let's see. I mean, six points from Cameron Johnson, six points from Cameron Payne, three points, one three-pointer from Torrey Craig. Um, the Bucks again, each team just went with uh, eight-man rotation. Uh, nothing from Jeff Teague. Oh, surprise, surprise. Uh, Bobby Portis, nine points, three rebounds. He had a couple of big, big plays. A lot of like offense. He had some offensive rebounds, two steals. Uh, Pat Connaughton, honestly, was kind of keeping the Bucks in the game at some point in that second quarter. He had fourteen points. You know that you need that off off the bench because you're relying on the, this big three: Giannis, Middleton, and Holiday, who all delivered. Um, but for the Phoenix, I mean, Booker, 40 points, that's great. Chris Paul hasn't been all that special here in the finals. Um, and then the rest of the guys, I mean, DeAndre Ayton, almost 45 minutes played, 10 rebounds, 20 points. Uh, I don't see what he what he shot. 7 to 12, 6 to 6 on line. So he was efficient. And and that's like, that's a great night. If that's if you get that from Ayton every night, you're happy. Uh, Bridges, 13. Jay Crowder, 10. Uh, and like I said, almost nothing from their bench. Um Little too much Devin Booker. I think they got to start sharing the ball more. Uh, you know, I think they've kind of gotten away a little bit from who they are. Um, and the question is, it's always hard, right? You're facing elimination. Do you start doing something different because of that? Or can you have the confidence to just, listen, let's not worry about it. Let's just go out and play our best game that we know how to play, and the rest will take care of itself. For Monty Williams, for the Suns, it's a young team. It's a really young team with a really old point guard, <laughs> Chris Paul. So we'll see what kind of team shows up, what they have in the tank mentally and physically to go to Milwaukee. Um, and then, I mean, I hope it happens. I personally think the Bucks will win and close it out and be your NBA champions. Um, I don't know if Phoenix is capable of rising to that moment, uh, but I would love a Game 7. I would absolutely love a Game 7, and let's see if we can pull up Really quickly here, when Game Seven would be, uh, if if we were to get there. So, Game Six is Tuesday at nine o'clock in Milwaukee, and if the Suns can find a way to win that game, Game Seven will be Thursday, the twenty second, July twenty second. Ah man, I guess it's better than October, right? Or yeah, it was beginning of October last year for the NBA Finals. Man, what a turnaround! So just to kind of transition quickly here out of this, kind of with the NBA stuff, everybody's been kind of harping on Team USA and the basketball and how bad it's been. Uh, now they're running into COVID issues. Uh, Bradley Beal is out. Kevin Love left. We're, we're filling in replacements. And people have said, like, why are they play? Why is it so bad? It's embarrassing. 
right now these are exhibition games. They don't count, right? And I think for these guys, I'm sure they want to go out there and play their best. But think about, like I said, last season ended beginning of October. And then this season began in December. And by all accounts, it was a grueling just slog of a season. And so these guys are burnt out. They're worn down physically and mentally. And you're asking them to go play in exhibition games. I think you just kind of expect, and this is what you'd expect to see. Um, and I'm not going to be mad at it until I see it happening in Tokyo. If they get there. I hope, I mean, the team's going to have to have their head screwed on straight to just make sure nobody else gets put in protocols. Because if it gets to a point, if the if enough of the team, Japan may just say, like, we don't need this team that keeps having COVID problems coming to the Olympics. We already have no fans. Uh, it's already, who knows what issues could crop up once they're there. I mean, this is so unprecedented for this time right now because, yes, we've done bubbles with the NBA and the NHL. And it's all the things we know that went into that. You're trying to have an international athletic gathering uh, in a country that's experiencing a big outbreak right now and is locking things down again. Um, who knows what this Olympics will look like? And it would be a shame if you had situations like we've seen happen in college sports where, oh, we were going to play this game to determine a winner, but this team this team, or these athletes, have uh, they, they got put into COVID protocol. So here's your gold medal. Work four years to not even get a chance to compete for it. That would be tough. Um, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see. I mean, I think that starts on the 24th, so it might be or the 23rd. Let's see. Let's see exactly when they start. Friday the 23rd. So the day after, the day after the NBA Finals, the Olympics start. Is that a coincidence? I don't think not. I think, this, I think they scheduled it that way. They wanted to make sure, no, we could send everybody there as if it matters because they just played a whole long season. Probably some guys wanted to sit out, some guys didn't want to go, and some guys are playing like they don't care. Um, I think they should have just said, forget the Olympics. Uh, guys, you know, There'll be enough teams eliminated. If guys want to go, they can. Uh, let's not condense this whole regular season to a point where a litany of stars are getting injured. But that's a great for another day. We'll see when the NBA... I think they're going to try and get back to their normal schedule this year. Um, but that's just a quick note on the uh, the Olympics starting on the 23rd. So next show, we'll have some some actual like Olympic content, besides from just the predicting and the uh, the talk around it. We'll actually have some, some tangible things to look at uh, and discuss. Um, as I said, though, uh, the biggest thing, the Bucks. I think that they're going to close it out in Game 6, and they'll be your champions. And, hey, we'll know by next show. We will know by next show. So, two other things, uh, something else I wanted to hit on quickly. Uh, last night, uh, down in the Bronx, uh, Alex Verdugo uh, was hit by a baseball from a fan in the outfield uh, in the Yankees game. So, the Yankees actually won this game. Um, so, they're, the series right now is 1-1. Uh, but I just think it encapsulates just the difference between the. I mean, how far have the Yankees fallen, right? I mean, you. I don't think that if the Yankees were having a good season and they were winning, this would this would happen. Um, but there's a lot of frustration down in New York. Uh, but so it's it's sad to see um, because Red Sox Yankees is usually billed as the it's the best rivalry in sports. Uh, the Yankees suck this year, so it it is not that. Uh, you can't be a rivalry if. It's 
this if, if one team is having a putrid year and the other one is having one of the best in baseball, um, which we've discussed before. How good can you compare the Red Sox as? But um, I think they won four nothing in the first game, lost three one last night. But this fan chucking a ball at Verdugo, it's just unacceptable. I mean, there's and how much of this are we going to see now? I mean, it's not like. It's not like this is the first time somebody's ever done something like this, and it's like, oh, you couldn't do that. We've seen so much, and maybe I don't know. Is this the? Is this just pent up frustrations? Is this a, a year of being stuck inside, and we just all forgot how to act? Because it seems like there's been so many more fan incidences this year across all sports um, than maybe ever before. Maybe it's just being reported on more now. I, I'm not sure. Maybe it wouldn't be a headline. Uh, any other time when it's like, oh, player, you know, fan throws ball on field, okay, uh, hits player, okay, maybe it's maybe it's being overreported now, um, but it should be because it's unacceptable, and that fan, uh, you know, kicked out, uh, ban- should be banned for life, uh, and actually taking a step further, the NBA is starting to do this, banned from any league competition, not just oh you can't come to Yankee Stadium anymore, nope, sorry, you can't come to a baseball game ever again. You have no place there. Fans, hey, trash talk is good. I remember I was at a Red Sox game. It was my freshman year of college, and it was in the outfield, and we were heckling Carl Crawford so bad when he was on the race. Oh, so bad. Uh, and I, we think we actually made him, like, drop a fly ball. Like, it was it was bad. Uh, it was all clean. It was just a lot of, like, Hope they don't hit it your way, Carl. You're going to drop it. You know you're going to drop it. Just all all day. All day. And he did drop one really. Ah! So that stuff, that's just part of the game. The trash talk, it's part of the game for the players. It happens with the fans. The great players embrace it and trash talk back. You see the Kobe's do that. Uh, Reggie Miller's do that. Charles Barkley. Um, you know, there's you know those sports where you can be closer to the uh, hockey players chat with each other. There's no... There's no real, you know, fan heckling, except if you're in the penalty box and guys are banging on the glass and stuff. Uh, football, not really. You don't really get fans engaging too much with the players just because of the setup of the field. But basketball and baseball, fans are right on top of you. Um, and so that's just part of it. You should never throw something at a player. Nor should a player ever throw something at a fan, right? It cuts both ways. But that's not what we're seeing. We're seeing guys spitting on... Uh, whatchamacallit, on Russell Westbrook throwing stuff at Trey Young uh, or whichever way around it was. Um, and now a fan throwing a baseball at Verdugo. It's just unacceptable. It's just not acceptable. Um, and I hope that guy, uh, enjoy your, you know, 10 seconds of fame. Yay, I threw a ball and hit a major league ball player. And good luck holding down a job now. I mean, it's just, just that type of behavior is childish. So, anywho, that's my little, that's my little rant on that um the other thing which was scary actually last night out of um the major league baseball was that there was a shooting outside of the nationals uh national park gate um absolutely terrifying i mean you could hear it on the broadcast and then you could tell like there was a section of fans that could hear it It was like coming from right outside there's a gate that led to the outside um (laughs) and it was gunfire um, terrifying. Uh, luckily, I mean, it sounds like everyone's okay. I mean, I was following this last night and haven't seen an update, um, 
on anything. Um, but I saw, you know, the players were like letting fans come down into the dugout uh, through a gate to get into the dugout to like get away from that uh, area. So let's just see if I can find out quickly if there's any further reporting. It doesn't look like. Da, 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 da. At least four. So this is this is from CNN. At least four people shot outside of Washington Nationals baseball game, sending fans and players scrambling. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. Oh man, this is a video of like the concourse people running. That's just, oh, man, it's tough. I, I mean, I, this it's hard because you go to a game to escape. You go to a, a a game to escape, and so many. I mean, now these things like you you can't feel like you can't relax anywhere. Um, and we're not gonna get too deep into. We don't need to get into politics or anything like that. But it's just it's just it's it's a sad sight to see. You know, you should not be going to a ball game concerning yourself about, well, how am I going to evade gunfire? And that's what people in, at, at the game last night had to do. Um, obviously, I think everybody inside the park was fine, but outside the park, something happened. Um, just absolutely crazy and scary. Um, oh, Nick points out in the comment section, Jason Veritek's daughter got spit on by a Yankees fan. I hadn't heard that. Um, I think everybody's, everybody's forgotten how to act, apparently. Everybody has just forgotten how to act. So, sad. It's really sad. Uh, and I hope we figure it out because for the people that don't figure it out, I mean, you're going to be looking at because the, the, the light is shown on this right now. And so all these leagues are going to want to make examples of people so that, you know, there's no more uh, repeat offenses. Um, you know, like the stupid idiot who threw a bottle at Kyrie, right? At the end of the game, he's like three feet from walking through the tunnel. After he makes all his comments about fans in Boston. You almost got there. And some idiot fan throws a, like, empty water bottle at him. For what? To make what point, dude? Uh, and now he's obviously uh, going to be saddled with ruining a re the reputation of Boston more. Um, which is unfair for Boston. You know, one stupid fan. Um, but also, it's like, dude, now you, like, they wanted to, like, charge him criminally. It's like, was it worth it? <laughs> was it worth it to chuck a plastic bottle at Kyrie Irving? He was not worth chucking a plastic bottle at because it's just going to help him make his points. Um, any hoodles. Uh, last thing I wanted to hit on. Again, quick show here today. No Christian. Just trying to, to blast. Nobody to counter me. Nobody to call me out. Uh, just want to blast through uh, some of these things. The NHL expansion draft uh, is coming for the Kraken. Um, and I wanted to pull up. Because I know we have a lot of Boston Bruins. There's a lot. There's a huge list of protected players, um, but da, 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 da. here is the protected list for the Bruins. So these guys safe from being snagged in the expansion draft. And there's no surprises here. Uh, Marshan, Bergeron, Pasternak, Coyle, Smith, DeBrusque, Frederick, McAvoy, Carlo, Grizzlick. And Darth Vladar. Um, and so that's that's just about what we expected. Um, so if we pull up, I saw the other list, which is the unprotected. So these are the guys. Da, 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 da. Whoops, that's old. <laughs> I'm like looking at the names there. I was like, wait a minute, that is not this year's. That is from 2017. 
I'm like, Adam McQuaid? Adam McQuaid and Matt Bolesky? Wait a minute, that ain't right. Ah, man. Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, come on now. Where is it? I had just seen it. I had just seen it. Maybe I have to... I know Tuca's on there. So, there's a lot of guys who are on there. Oh, man, now it's not going. So, here you go. Um, I mean, Hall's, Taylor Hall's on there. Krejci's not protected. Rask is not protected. Um, there's a lot of guys not protected, and I don't know why I can't find... <laughs> Bruins, Vegas, Rask, I guess. This is one of those things you're trying to throw in all the search terms. I saw a tweet somewhere, and now it has disappeared into the ether. Ah, oh, man, it's gone. Somebody put it all together. Uh, but uh, a, a lot of the, the older, bigger names, uh, some of I mean, like I said, Krejci and Rask. But again, I don't think anybody's going to take Rask. I mean, I don't think Vegas is going to want to take a guy who... Uh, you know, doesn't know he hasn't even signed a contract yet. Um, so there's obviously a lot. It's it's that you gotta play that game. Hey, uh, we won't protect. Um, uh, we won't protect these guys, but we know that there's no shot an expansion team would want to take them. Um, so that actually happens. The expansion draft will begin on the twenty first. So that will happen on Wednesday will be the expansion draft. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, there's a, there's a good list of players. Um, there is a good list of players uh, who will be available for them. Um, and we'll have to see uh, who the, the Kraken taken. For those, for those that may have forgotten, uh, let's pull this up here real quick. I mean, the Seattle, the Seattle Kraken is just so good. Uh, let's see. Uh, I want to pull up for those that didn't see it. Their logo is just really good. Whoops, there we go. So for the live viewers, we will we will share this with you. If you did not remember that there was expansion coming for the NHL. There you go. The Seattle Kraken. I think that logo's sick. I think that's that's really good. I mean that. I mean with the the whole crack in there. Um, awesome, awesome stuff. It's good. Uh, we'll see too. I mean, there could eventually. There's going to be. I think there's going to be expansion in the NBA at some point too. Even though they don't need it. Uh, all all these leagues. Um, you know, there's there's markets to be had. Seattle has a basketball appetite. Um, so we'll see how. The uh, professional hockey team does out there. I hope. Uh, let's hope in the next five, five, ten years we can get basketball back in Seattle too, because they they certainly deserve it. But expansion draft for the Kraken on the twenty first. So we'll see who from the Bruins gets taken uh, and who will be safe. So, anyways, that's gonna do it for today's show. Really quick show. No Christian. Just trying to blow through a whole bunch of news. Uh, obviously, we'll have a lot uh, going on in the coming weeks. The Olympics will be starting up. NFL training camp will be starting. We'll be getting a lot of answers on some other things, um, uh, on, on plenty of the other th stuff happening. Actually, forgot one quick thing, because I know, I know I'll know i get texts on this afterwards because I forgot to mention it. 
Dame Lillard requesting a trade from Portland. And people saying, you know, uh, that it's the wrong thing to do and blah, 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 and star players are out of control. I'll say this at least for Portland. They're quasi-ready to hit the reset button. So for them, this is kind of okay because they're going to get a haul for him and they'll be able to rebuild. The guys I have the bigger problems with is the James Hardens, who sign a big five-year deal. They get their money. They didn't want to do like a one-and-one. All the grief people give LeBron, at least that dude honors his contracts. And when he knows maybe, I don't know, one or two years, eh, he signs a one-year deal with with an option. So at least the team can kind of, in their minds, be prepared, right? That does not happen uh, with some of these other stars. Dame Lillard signed a five-year extension, wanted all the money, and he will get the money. He's going to have to. Um, so it's just you wish that – I don't get as much involved with the loyalty thing. I think if, if, if he was ready, it's not about the money. It's the years. Dude, go to them and say, listen, I think I may want to be out of here in a year or two if we can't figure it out. Ask for a one-on-one. Try and negotiate that. You sign the five-year deal, they think, like Giannis, right? Giannis signed the five-year deal. If they don't win the finals, which obviously they're one win away, we said they kind of needed to win the finals to really keep him in Milwaukee. Would Giannis, like, pull a James Harden and say, well, thanks for the contract, but now our roster's in shambles because we made all these moves for Drew Holiday, who might be leaving, and I think I want out. It's so disingenuous. It's so disingenuous. So... Portland will be fine. Portland's going to be fine. Um, they're going to be able to make moves and, and then kind of hit the rebuild here. Um, Dame Lillard himself, I don't know, man. You sign that. Fi- you sign a five-year deal. you got to honor that. At least two years. You gave it one year, and now you're like, eh, well, coach is out. Chauncey Billups, I want out. If you want it out now, you probably want it out before. So then why'd you sign the deal for the money? You're going to get the money anywhere. So, Portland will be okay. I don't know about Dame. I know people want him in Boston. Uh, you got to stop that. Because you're going to have to give up Jalen Brown, which is a no, hard no. And I also just don't want another 30-year-old point guard. We've said this before. Dame Lillard, would you take him? Sure. For what it's going to cost you? No. And why go for more aging point guards? It's just not going to happen. But Dame Lillard wants out. We'll see where he gets moved. That's going to probably happen sometime soon. The NBA draft is coming up on the 29th. So a lot of the bigger things, the Olympics, expansion draft for the NHL, NBA draft, NFL training camp, a lot, a lot, a lot is coming. Uh, We'll probably be doing a lot more. We're going to have some of these, like, two-and-a-half-hour-long shows coming up soon because there's going to be way too much to pick through. Um, But that'll do it for us here today. Uh, Christian Lauber will be back next week. I am Andrew Pizzelli. Thank you for listening, everybody. This was live on Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, and Twitch. Thank you to the live viewers for joining us here on the show. If you couldn't catch the show live, you can also subscribe to the podcast through Sounder FM or wherever you get your podcast from to never miss a show. So that'll do it. Have a good rest of the weekend, everybody, and we'll see you all next week.